world's deadliest assassins are already dead? A shadowy group of killers for hire is eliminating world leaders, crime lords, and CIA agents. Inexplicably, the deceased contract killers have the DNA of people who are long dead. CIA agent John Clooney devises a dangerous plan to capture a shadow killer alive. Contract a hit on himself. John Wessex, The Shadow Killers, is the second book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube With Mike Spiegelman Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube With Mike Spiegelman Let's watch a Hi, this is Carl. I wrote this song. I I'm Mike's friend. My turn-ons are satin sheets, I love to be outdoors. Follow me on Twitter. Jokes to call. The French duh, not the duh duh. Let's watch a W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. O-Y-T. That doesn't sound right. O-Y-T. Hey, that's an acronym. It stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Thank you very much for having me on. Looking forward to another exciting adventure. Oh, I'm excited that you're here on MutinyRadio.fm. We are streaming right now, every as we do every Sunday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, we uh, watch a full-length movie on YouTube. We want you to watch the movie with us. Let us watch. And then we will uh, want you to listen to our show at the same time. You're going to have to mute YouTube. We've done three over 300 episodes, Carl. And this oh, is really? the first time I think I said to mute YouTube while you're listening to. I was just thinking that. I guess I always.
chant and might write a fine hand. I'd write my love a letter that she'd understand. I'd send it to the island where waters are flow. And I'll think of my song that baby's inside her and it's a kicking ant's feet it's saying let me out of here i want to dance in the street sing bounce a little bounce a belly bounce a little bounce a belly bounce a little bounce a belly out comes a person you know she walks leaning back it's an ancient dance nice to see that she tastes romance that soul's coming through her the time is right to leave the dark waters and see some sunlight. We sing, bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly. Out comes a person. Is it a girl or a boy? <laughs> Nobody know. We all take bets at a dollar a throw and we sit on the steps as the sun go down and all the new babies and all the old babies that live in our town sing bounce a little bounce a belly bounce a little bounce a belly bounce a little bounce a belly out comes a person Tonight's the night, everybody running circle. They do what they can to help out the miracle. Mama breathing hard with wall of her might. Newborn singing, I'll be your baby tonight. We're singing, bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly. Out comes a person. Now bring baby out under soft, quiet light. Keep baby warm and treat baby right. Now give baby a drink from that full breath. And mama and baby take a rest and be blessed. We sing, bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly. Out comes a person. Bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly, bounce a little, bounce a belly. Out comes a brand new person. Start with a song called Pretty Sayro. It's an American song.
chestnut street so i can't hear old number nine as she goes roaring on by I love those who labor. I sing of the farmers and weavers and fishermen and miners as well. Now all you who hear me, I pray you draw near me. Before you grow weary, I'll sing of myself. I was brought up in plenty until I was twenty. A joy to myself as but children can be. A joy to my father, a joy to my mother. The pain of my country was nothing to me. My school days being over, I became a rover to Russia and China, to France and to Spain. I lived at my leisure, I lived but for pleasure, and so none the wiser to England I came. I thought it no danger to follow a stranger, but with time changing a friend he became. For the joys of a lover can equal no other forever anew, and yet always the same. Good fortune attending, we don't lack a living. Our children a blessing, our joy to renew. 
But to live amid plenty can only torment me when the wealth of the country belongs to the few. I join with the angry, I join with the hungry. For long years of anguish the price will be paid. To hate and to anger I am not a stranger, I welcome the danger, and yet I'm afraid. For I fear the fate of the rebels and fighters who ransom the future with torture and pain. As the trial comes near, if I find I can dare it with joy, I will share it, no longer afraid. For I've learned to be angry, I've learned to be lonely, I've learned to be many, I've learned to be one. I've earned all my friends, even foes will commend me. I stand with the many. I am not alone. In the presence of fighters, I find a new peace. In the company of workers, replenish myself. Of miners and weavers, of rebels and dreamers. When I sing of my brothers, I sing of myself. And good morning, everybody. This is the Labor and Love Show. <clears throat> Hope you're having a good Saturday. Um, we started out our show there with Peggy Seeger and Charlie Morgan. And uh, having a little technical problem here, but we'll have to work, we'll just have to work through it. This is the B, and you're tuned in to Labor and Love Radio. Um, 10 o'clock Saturday morning, the show where we tell you how it is, where one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. It's only a waste of time. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Well, what do we got today? We've got the Lowell Mill Girls. Hopefully, we got the Lowell Mill Girls. We'll have to see about that. We got the automatic, automated strike zone. Yeah, now what does this have to do with labor? Well, automation is coming to baseball. 
what form will it come with and will it maintain itself over a long period of time? It's being tried now in the AAA Pacific Coast League. So we can see about that. Women are taking over the U.S. labor movement. That's what In These Times is telling us. The pandemic has created an opportunity for new movements in industries that haven't organized before. Movements led by women. In these times, the creative methods workers are using to stop bosses' abuse. Story of a progressive Kentucky coffee chain that tries to fight off a staff unionization record. Heine Brothers Coffee, a local Louisville chain. Richard Pryor talking about racism. We also got another Richard Pryor uh, sketch, which I hope I hope we can play. Calls out racism in the system. It, it's sort of hard for Richard Pryor not to tell exactly what he felt, and in this case he does too. What is the slave? <clears throat> what to the slave is the 4th of July? James Earl Jones reads Frederick Douglass's historic speech. <clears throat> We've got our radio labor feature. Why the fascist right wing is rising all around the world. Struggle for workers' rights must be fought worldwide. And Brittany Griner, what's that about? One of the really great dominant players, basketball players, Brittany Griner, is arrested in Russia. Let's see, what's that all about? Hmm? I don't know, but we'll see. So let's start out with Frederick Douglass. We're not getting any. Nothing's coming through. Okay, well, let's listen up. Listen up to a little uh, Miles Davis. How about that? I've seen you watching amazement in your eyes. This world, we've left you a junk heap in disguise. When you watch us unbelieving, we older, wiser ones. What do you see, my son? You ask a question, you wait for my reply, but the world's so changed sometimes, you know as much as I. In the new world that is coming, the old must ask the young, then where will you turn 
Of a baby, her laughter and prattle, I could sing of a son who is nearly a man. I could sing of their father, forever a lover, but I'll sing of the boy who's just twelve and a half. At running and jumping, at games of the season, at swimming and football, the best you have seen. At arguing fine points of logic and reason, his method is one of a boy of thirteen. The smile of his mother, the face of his father, the tongue of his granny and a mind of his own. On every subject he holds an opinion, and he'll swear that he's right and the whole world is wrong. He watches me closely, he gauges my temper, he knows just the moment to ask for a land. He'll wash the car and wipe all the dishes, and then he'll complain about making his bed. His face always mucky, his shoes always dirty, his hair is uncombed and his jacket is torn. His belongings are scattered from basement to attic, yet he knows where they are like the crow finds the corn. Son of my youth, so honest and open, I'm proud of your will, your compulsion to fight. Keep raising your voice, insist that you're counted, and if you're wrong, the world sets you aright. Son of my heart, thoughtful and loving, the image of life and as elusive to hold. Today I am weary, so man-child, please hear me. No doubt you're right, but do as you're told. I want you awake with your mind wide open Listening, but I don't mind singing it twice Little girl child, your mammy wants to give you advice Don't be too nice 
I spent the day at work so he could get his education. Well, now he's an engineer. 
He says, I know you'll always be a lady. It's the duty of my darling to love me all her life. Could an engineer look after or a baby? Remember, dear, that you're my got a job I began again then happy at me to lay the year or so and then the morning that the twins were born Jimmy says to them kids your mother was an engineer you owe it to the kids to be a lady dainty as a dish rag faithful as a child stay at home you got to mind the baby remember you're a mother now well every time I turn around it's something else to do it's cook a meal mend the soft sweep a floor I listen in to Jimmy Young, it makes me want to spew I was gonna be an engineer Don't I really wish that I could be a lady I could do the lovely things that a lady's supposed to do I wouldn't even mind if only they would pay me And I could be a person too What price for a woman You could buy her for a ring of gold To love and obey without any pay You get a cook and a nurse you don't need a purse when the lady is so. Ah, but now that times are harder and me Jimmy's got the sack. I went down to Vickers, they were glad to have me back. But I'm a third-class citizen, my wages tell me that. And I'm a first-class engineer. The boss, he says, we pay you as a lady. You only got the job cause I can't afford a man. With you, I keep the profits high as maybe. You're just a cheaper pair of hands. Got one fault, you're a woman, you're not worth the equal pay. A bitch or a tart, you're nothing but heart, shallow and vain, you got no brain, you even go down the drain like a lady today. Well, I listened to my mother and I joined a typing pool. I listened to my lover and I put him through his school. But if I listen to the boss, I'm just a bloody fool and an underpaid engineer. I've been a sucker ever since I was a baby As a daughter, as a wife, as a mother and a dear But I'll fight them as a woman, not a lady Fight them as an engineer Early every year the seeds are growing Unseen, unheard They lie beneath the ground Would you know until their leaves are showing That with weeds all your garden will abound If you close your eyes Stop your ears Hold your tongue Then how can you know for seeds you cannot see may not be there Seeds you cannot hear may never grow In January you still got the choice You can cut the weeds before they start to bud If you leave them to grow high They'll silence your voice And in December you may pay with your blood so close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow. Let others take the lead and you bring up the rear, and later you can say you didn't know. 
Every day another vulture takes flight There's another danger born every morning In the darkness of your blindness The beast will learn to bite How can you fight if you can't recognize a warning? So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow Let others take the lead and you bring up the rear And later you can say you didn't know Today you may earn a living wage Tomorrow you may be on the dole Though there's millions going hungry you needn't disengage For it's them not you that's fallen in the hole So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow Let others take the lead and you bring up the rear And later you can say you didn't know Today the soldiers took away one Tomorrow they may take away two One April they took away Greece But surely they will never take you So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow Let others take the lead and you bring up the rear And later you can say you didn't know It's alright for you if you run with the pack It's alright if you agree with all they do If fascism is slowly climbing back It's not here yet so what's it got to do with you? So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth, take it slow Let others take the lead and you bring up the rear And later you can say you didn't know The weeds are all around us and they're growing It will soon be too late for the night If you leave them on the wind that around the world is blowing You may pay for your silence with your life So close your eyes, stop your ears, close your mouth and never dare And if it happens here, they'll never come for you Because they'll know you really didn't care Hey, Peggy Seeger there uh, um, Sort of an impromptu Peggy Seeger set that Ewan McCall singing with her? Song of Choice, Ewan McCall. Okay. So we had uh, Little Girl Child telling girls that they don't have to uh, toe the line and be quote-unquote ladies be whatever they want. And going to be an engineer, another on the same theme, about a girl who didn't want to be it, didn't want home ec. She took home ec, but she decided she'd be an engineer. And there were all the excuses for lo lower pay. The women and men included in that song. The song of choice, last one, a very strong statement about what being passive will get you. Fascism is ending all over the world because 
because, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, liberal economic model, the capitalistic economic model, has not worked, except for a very few people. And those few people have been able to persuade the rest of us that the problem is not low wages, it's not capitalism, but it's these crazy people, these others, people who are sneaking across the border, these Black Lives Matter people, Antifa people. That's the problem. America is great, you know. If it weren't, just weren't for these people, we would be fine. Richard Nixon. Right out of Nixon's book and adopted by... Reagan and by uh, by Joe Biden in his uh, one of his former manifestations. Anyway, what is the Fourth of July to a slave? Hey, this is uh, this was on uh, Democracy Now, and it's James Earl Jones reading the words of Frederick Frederick Douglass. Clear this. And we'll get on with Amy Goodman. On July 5th, 1952, in Rochester, New York, he gave one of his most famous speeches, Work to the Slave, of the 4th of July. He was addressing the Rochester Ladies Anti-Slavery Society. This is the actor James Earl Jones reading the historic address during a performance of Howard Zinn's Voices of the People's History of the United States. This is the late great people's historian, Howard Zinn. Frederick Douglass, once a slave, became a brilliant and powerful leader of the anti-slavery movement. In 1852, he was asked to speak celebration of the 4th of July. Well, citizens, pardon me, and allow me to ask, why am I called upon to come here today? What have I, as I represent the government of national independence, are the great principles of political freedom and of natural justice embodied that Declaration of Independence is presented to us. And you are therefore called upon to bring our humble offering to the national altar and to confess their benefits, to express the love of gratitude for the blessings resulting from your independence to us. I am not included in the tale of this glorious anniversary. Your high independence only reveals the immeasurable distance between us. The blessings in which you do not enjoy the
cannot make my choice. I must drag a man let us under the grand illuminated temple of liberty and call upon him to join you in joyous anthems in human mockery sacrilegious irony. Asking me to speak to them. What for the American slave is your Fourth of July? I answer, day that reveals to him more than all other days of the year the gross injustice and cruelty of which he is a constant victim. For him, your celebration is a sham. Your boasted liberty. Unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless, your denunciation of tyrants, grass for the impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgivings, with all your religious parade and solemnity, to him. Bombast, deception, piety, and hypocrisy, a thin veil to cover up crimes committed. This nation of savages. There's not a nation of the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. I'm like this, scorching irony, not convincing argument needed. That I the ability to reach the nation's ear, I would today pour forth a stream, a fiery stream of biting ridicule, blasting reproach, withering sarcasm, and stern rebuke. It is not light that is needed. A gentle shower, the thunder. We need the storm, the whirlwind, the earthquake. The feeling of the nation must be quickened. The conscience of the nation must be roused. The piety of the nation startled. The hypocrisy of the nation exposed to crimes against God and man be claimed and denounced. That was James Earl Jones reading the words of Frederick Douglass. Okay. Um, Douglass is telling the truth. Douglass is coming out with the truth. They wanted to celebrate American freedom, 4th of July. And his response was, well, where is the freedom? What hypocrisy. You want me to talk about how great the 4th of July is? And uh, he did. He told it like it was. Now for a later word about racism, let's listen to Richard Pryor. Stops and wrestles. This is famed comedian Richard Pryor. 
as Malcolm X put it, you can't have capitalism without racism. These conditions have been created by global capitalism. Put bluntly, in order for capitalism to work, there must be a ruling class and a working class, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. The bourgeoisie and those who own the means of production and they make decisions which impact everyone. The working class produces wealth in society, but capitalism separates them from it. We can go back as far as Andrew Jackson, who took 11 million acres of land from the Choctaw and other southern tribes, passed the land onto white settlers, then sent the tribal people on the Trail of Tears, exiling them to Oklahoma and Kansas. Thousands died along the way. The land taken from Native Americans in general, and the 11 million acres taken from the Choctaw in particular were collateral for cotton planters to borrow money. The people that get to become executives become like the people that were already executives. I don't know, maybe. They go in with good intentions, but they need some money. It's like a cesspool. And many join in as prior notes. In conclusion, racial privilege allows some, typically the most loyal to elite interests, to ascend more easily than black and brown workers. Thus, when it comes to the corporate world, white men predominate in management and executive positions. If you'd like to hear more thought-provoking content like TYT Sports on Facebook and to help in my journey to keep media independent, go to tyt.com slash rick. Okay, and that was uh, Richard Pryor and Angela Davis and Boots Riley, among others, making that key connection, okay? On this show, uh, we often talk about racism and anti-racism. We, we often talk about those things, and some people have said to me, well, what does that have to do with capitalism? What does that have to do with capitalism? Well, you can't have capitalism unless you have an underclass of, of people, workers, who produce value. And slavery, you don't have to pay wages. You have to put in some minimal money for food and... Uh, Clothing, the cheapest, crappiest you can get, and you put people to work. And if they don't work, you beat on them or kill them or torture them. And that's how you get value out of people's lives. Wage, wage workers are the same, except they have to pay for their own food and board. So they, they need to have some wages, but you can keep those wages as low as you can by wielding the power that you have in the marketplace. That is jobs. If people don't have jobs, they can't survive. And if you control the jobs, you control their survival. Of course, they're going to come and work. Famously, in, during some of the Carolina textile strikes in the 1930s and 40s, when capitalists said, yeah, well, let them starve. Okay, let them go for a few weeks without eating. They'll come and work. So that's the gun, right? That's the gun that's held to workers' head anyway. Richard Pryor, Angela Davis, Boots Riley. I want to keep one here. 
going to play some Tupac. I've been trying to play some Tupac. But uh, I haven't been getting uh, cooperation from my technology.
set was uh, Las Cafeteras, ended with Las Cafeteras, La Bamba Rebelde, taking the old folk song from Veracruz, which uh, Richie Valens turned into. And this was Las Cafeteras version of that song, La Bamba Rebelde. Before that, we had uh, Tupac Shakur, two of his hits, California. And that's just the way it is. Too bad, huh? People, I know a lot of people who just dismiss rap out of hand. And I always... Uh, Tell them to listen to things like this. Tupac Shakur 
singing about California love, singing about we've got to change the way we relate to we, we relate to each other. Beautiful stuff. Remember one person uh, they met Shakur. They thought he was just this noisy guy, but he was so profound. And as we know, uh, artists who sing about togetherness and peace and love and understanding between the races and who sing the truth of their neighborhoods where they're raised have a whole lot more problem getting recorded and released than those who talk about West Coast, East Coast, shooting, I do this, I do that. Whole pose of a tough guy, a, a gangster. Tragically, sometimes that rhetoric that's in so many of the songs is taken seriously, as in the case of Tupac and, and other shootings. I want to talk now about uh, Sarah Bagley and the Lowell Girls. This is one of the first industries in the United States that where women got together and organized to improve their lives and their work. Lowell, Massachusetts where the first great textile mills in the U.S. Massachusetts, located 30 miles north of Boston, was once a booming industrial city. Founded in 1821, the city on the Merrimack River is named after Francis Cabot Lowell. After becoming a successful merchant in the United States, Lowell traveled to England, where he spent two years studying the inner workings of the textile industry. Lowell brought his knowledge back to the U.S., and with his brothers and business associates, formed the Boston Manufacturing Company. The waterways in Lowell proved to be perfect to power Boston Manufacturing Company's power lines. Lowell pioneered the employment of women in the factories. Because of his influence, the textile corporations recruited women from New England farms and villages. Corporations advertised in newspapers and pamphlets, looking for girls aged 15 to 25. In the early 1800s, the father was the property owner and head of the household on the farm. Women shared daily tasks of strenuous chores, cooking, cleaning, and making clothes. Farm life proved increasingly difficult for young women. 
Growing numbers of New England farm families face severe economic difficulties. For many young women, the choice to leave home and head to the city was often from necessity. Once in law, girls would meet new friends, study, work, and earn money. The majority of the mill girls lived in boarding houses. These large, corporation-owned buildings that were three-and-a-half-story brick row houses held 20 to 40 people. They had a kitchen, dining room, parlor, the keeper's quarters, and up to 10 bedrooms. Each boarding house was run by a female keeper who was in charge of making sure the girls acted in line the keepers enforced curfews and strict codes of conduct. I'd stop crying and wasting time and fly across the sky and spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. You want to see the guy? I stared up to the diamond stars one cashmere night. Black velvet sky and a raging river was no sound to say. The Big Dipper hung up above the river and I felt that it was a shame. All this water here in California dry. I said to the Dipper by name, reach down and kiss that raging river and fly across the sky. Spread a lot of rain, sweet rain, spread a lot of rain on California. I don't want to see her down. People and the animals right together where water flows. A fearsome tea or a water hole, there was something growth. And remember the music water makes, the raining pool and the circle dance. The thunder of the ocean and the waterfall, the laughing creek, the trees, the plants. Now the fields are green again, beauty has returned. Tragedies continue to show. Most mill workers shared living spaces with relatives, friends from villages, or strangers. Their bedrooms provided little privacy. Typically, four to six people slept in a room, and two women shared a double bed. Despite the overcrowded conditions, Communal living in the boarding houses fostered close bonds between working women and helps new hires adjust to factory toil and city life.
Work in the factories was grueling and demanding for the mill girls. The men who ran the corporations and managed the mills sought to regulate the moral conduct and social behavior of their workforce. Within the factory, overseers were responsible for maintaining work discipline and meeting production schedules. Workers were expected to observe the Sabbath and temperance was strongly encouraged. Most textile workers toiled for 12 to 14 hours a day and half a day on Saturdays. The mills were closed on Sundays. Typically, mill girls were employed for 9 to 10 months a year, and many left the factories during parts of the summer to visit back home. Despite the long and strenuous work days, the mill girls found the time to read and write. They established groups and circles to share poetry and other writings. With their earnings from the factory, they were able to buy new dresses and supplies necessary for city life. They also actively participated in early labor reform through legislative petitions, forming labor organizations, and contributing essays and articles to newspapers. The factory mills in Lowell revolutionized the textile industry for the world. The girls that worked in the mills were the first women in America to step out of the traditional domestic role and make a life for themselves. We're going to read a little bit more about Sarah Bagley, one of the early organizers of these girls. Girls, quote-unquote. Young women. While most milled girls took these jobs in order to send money home, they found new, their new employment came with a certain measure of financial and intellectual independence. 28-year-old Sarah Bagley made her way to Lowell in 1835, leaving her home in New Hampshire in the hope that she'd be able to send some extra money back to her struggling family. Like many of the mill girls, she embraced the cultural environment. And in 1840, she published a short essay called Lowell Offering, a monthly literary magazine written and edited largely by the mill girls. In this piece called Pleasures of Factory Life, Bagley ruminated on the various good parts of her job. New friends, the learning opportunities, the potted plants the women placed around the factory floor, and he gave special weight to the space the job left for thinking. Who can closely examine all of the movements of the complicated, curious machinery and not be led to the reflection that mind is boundless. So 
obvious right from the beginning of her employment she was thinking about questions like this. In the early 1840s, the already high demands of millwork ramped up. Many of these changes were sexist. And one mill management cut wages for everyone. When the need for austerity ended, the pay was raised again, but only for the men. Another mill tried to double the number of looms that each weaver was responsible for. When a group of 70 women went on strike in response, they were not only fired but blacklisted for ever getting another mill job. Early strikes in 1834 and 36 had ended similarly. Bagley watched all this go down, and in 1844, with five other women, she formed the Lowell Labor Female Reform Association one of the earliest successful organizations of working women in the United States. She was voted the president of the association and fired from her mill job, once broadening her audience and sharpening her rhetoric, she threw herself into the job. Membership grew to 600 pledged solidarity with the largest existing union, New England Working Men's Association. In one of her most famous speeches, she turned herself against her old publisher, old offering, using them of censoring worker dissent. The speech was greeted, the local labor paper reported by loud and One of their main goals was the 10-hour movement. Instead of 12 to 14 hours, down to a slightly more manageable 10. This was a near universal wish. If I must wend my way, uncheered by hope's sweet song, God grant that in the mills a day may be but 10 hours long gathered 2,000 signatures in support. Bagley drummed up publicity for the cause by visiting nearby prisons to clock how much the inmates worked. And the answer, much less than the mill girls. Eventually, the Massachusetts legislature agreed to review the petitioner's complaints only if the mill girls would speak in court, essentially challenging them to break a long-standing taboo against women speaking in public. But the women called their bluff. When our rights are trampled upon and we appeal in vain to our legislators, what shall we do? Shall not our voice be heard? He said on the stand, for introducing six other association members who came forward to testify. Despite their accounts of sickness, injury, curtailed le leisure, and lack of sleep, though, state refused to reduce working hours. Mounting another appeal when they were ignored, they quintupled 
quintupled the number of petition signatories and defeated the re-election campaign of one prominent unsympathetic member of the House. Tenor movement spread to nearby states in New England and the Mid-Atlantic. In subsequent years, mill workers in many of these states, including Pennsylvania and Delaware, successfully bargained, legislated, and struck the workday down to 10 hours. 1874, Massachusetts finally did too. Stepped down as association president after three years, but remained devoted to women's equality and empowerment. In 1846, she was hired as the country's first female telegraph operator, but after she realized she wasn't being paid as much as her male counterparts, she quit. The world is quite satisfied with the present arrangement, we can only protest against such a state of things. Later moved to New York and became a homeopathic doctor. Sarah Bagley, voice of America's early women's labor movement. Here's a movement that's peopled mainly by women. Progressive Kentucky coffee chain fights staff unionization effort. It's on the Real News Network. Coffee shops across the nation have been unionizing in what has become a historic swell of labor activity, including approximately 300 Starbucks locations filing for unionization in the past six months. May 26th, first Starbucks in Kentucky, led by young organizers in Louisville, voted 19 to 5 for a union. Starbucks is not the only coffee chain in Louisville where workers are unionizing. Employees in, at Kentucky coffee chain Heine Brothers announced in April their intention to form a union consisting of their approximately 200 workers with the SEIU, Service Employees International Union. This organization has been met with some resistance from the supposedly progressive company, and workers su suspect that resistance played a role in the June closure of a popular store in Louisville, where several vocal union supporters worked. Ina Brothers, that's the name of it. Although workers at Heine Brothers are energized by the Starbucks unionization efforts nationwide, their own organizing was not initially inspired by them. It actually started independently of Starbucks. It's just two baristas from two different stores who just said, hey, 
we would like one union. So they Googled union, and then they showed up on SEIU's Lina Brothers has 18 stores in the Louisville area. Local chain success story where Starbucks is increasingly the only coffee chain with multiple locations in a single market. Heiner Brothers' success has been at least partially due to their marketing as a coffee shop that cares about the local community. It is a right ironic, said one organizer, that a company that claims to be progressive and supportive of the LGBTQ community pays substandard wages to a community that is often marginalized, faces increased societal barriers, had an incredibly diverse set of workers at Heine Brothers, and right now we do not feel like our identities are being respected. Pay rates at Heine Brothers often do not raise to the level of a living wage in Louisville, and yet baristas are dependent on tips. When you start to apply for an apartment, the landlord sees, oh, this person's wage fluctuates by $200 every month. That's a pretty substantial decrease. Makes you look like you're not a very stable tenant. That can apply to all aspects of your life because all of a sudden you're like, I'm trying to make a budget, but I don't know exactly how much I'm going to be able to afford for my groceries. Also plagued by access to quality health care and inconsistent scheduling. So the scheduling issue, just parenthetical comment here is a really big thing if you don't know when your hours are. You don't know when you get, when you're going to be working. You, you can't organize the rest of your life, the real part of your life where you do a, more or less what you decide to do. When you go to work, you have to turn off your mind and do what someone else tells you to do, what their work they have to get done. At any rate, let's watch this. Uh, another Facebook comment, commenter uh, addressed CEO Mike Mays directly saying, sorry, Mike, but closing that location so suddenly and not giving employees a heads up just isn't in keeping with equity first progressive image you've created. Reeks of retaliation. I'll get my coffee elsewhere and advise my neighbors to do the same. So check it out. It's on uh, the Real News Network. And then we've got... Uh, Radio Labor, we have time for Radio Labor, okay. 
The struggle for workers' rights must be fought worldwide. This is Solidarity News on Labor Labor. Uh, I like the watch. That is Kamala Osborne, uh, Assistant General Secretary of Industrial Development. Mr. Osborne has announced his candidacy for the position of General Secretary of the International Trade Union Confederation. The ITC is the organization which represents national union centers such as the Ghana Trade Union Congress and the AFL-CIO in the United States. Industrial Union represents more than 50 million workers in 140 countries working in mining, energy, No, sorry, that's no, that's no good. The sound is just too bad on that. Like I say, I'm having to run my uh, show through uh, the microphones and not not through line connection. We'll have to see what's wrong with the. Uh, what's wrong with the uh, board here? So we've got what? We've got a few minutes left. I want to say something about Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner is a basketball player, one of the very best basketball players now playing, men or women. And Brittany Griner plays for a team called the Mercury here in the United States. But in order to make more money, she signed on to play with the Russian team. Now, this young woman is a dominant defensive player. I mean, she she records eight, nine, ten blocks a game, rebounds. Uh, of course, she was... She was uh, offered a contract in Russia. So she goes to Russia and gets arrested. And why was she arrested? She had some cannabis oil, less than an ounce, in her luggage. Didn't want to break the law, Brittany said. Let's see if we can find uh, what the NBA, WNBA, that's the league she's playing in. to drug charges in a case that could see her face up to 10 
years in prison. So for more on how we got here and what the WNBA is doing to bring her back to the United States, here's our Monica McNutt. For a man that proudly embraces its activism labels, protecting that it can be one of their very own is living through, one is large over the entire WNBA and her team. We need to get her back home. She deserves to be home. She needs to be back with her family, with her friends. Brittany Griner, center for the Phoenix Mercury, two-time Olympic gold medalist, seven-time WNBA All-Star, WNBA champion, a Russian prisoner. 139 days, that's a really, really long time for someone to be wrongfully uh, presented in another country, and we just need her home. Reiner, who plays basketball internationally for Russia, was arrested on February 17th in a Russian airport for allegedly having issues oil in her luggage. That news came and went, with Griner's camp and WNBA initially hoping to resolve the issue and bring BG home quietly. Seven days later, February 24th, Russia invaded Ukraine, only furthering the concern about diplomatic negotiations to return BG home safely. The WNBA community never lost sight of Griner's predicament. Before we get into tonight's events, I want to take a moment to reiterate the WNBA support for Phoenix Mercury star Brittany Griner. Please know that getting her home safely continues to be our top priority. May 3rd, 75 days into Griner's imprisonment, the United States declared her wrongfully detained, which also gave supporters the green light to raise public awareness and thrust questions about why the U.S. government seemed to be moving without urgency. Is it because she's a woman? Is it because she's black? Is it because she's gay? As the disparities between those communities on U.S. soil are prevalent, it's hard for those questions not to be answered with painful rhetorical answers. If it was LeBron or KD or Steph Curry, do you think that you would be sitting here today? No, respectfully, and no, you know, no shade to them um, when I say this, but the answer to that question would be no. I think it's just about being as loud as possible, talking about it as much as possible, because at this point, it seems like pressure is, is what's going to get the job done. So from our side of things, this side of the water, we need to put pressure on our government to do their best to figure it out with Putin. On July 4th, Griner wrote to President Biden on her 137th day of imprisonment. In part, she wrote, It hurts thinking about how I usually celebrate this day, because freedom means something completely different to me this year. Her letter prompted President Biden and Vice President Harris to reach out to Griner's wife, Sherelle, two days later, to reassure her and their family that they are doing all they can to get BG home as soon as possible. On July 7th, DJ pleaded guilty to Russian drug charges and told the judge she had inadvertently packed hashish oil and didn't intend to break Russian law. Despite her plea, the trial could go on for weeks. Experts say her best hope for release is a negotiated deal between the U.S. and Russia. Fortunately, the WNBA and its supporters are familiar with being at the forefront of issues and making those in positions of power take notice. They are, BG, will not be exhausted. Okay, there's Brittany Griner, and I, I want to see what Stephen A. Smith. Say about it. 
International Women's Day. And I hope we all take time to reflect on the incalculable contributions women around the world have made throughout history. Accomplishments and achievements that often have been minimized or erased entirely. But today, my thoughts are with one woman in particular. Brittany Griner, in many ways the epitome of the American dream. A black woman, a gay woman, one of America's greatest athletes. We don't know the exact circumstances that led to Brittany Griner's detainment in Russia. And we unfortunately know even less about how it might come to a quick and positive conclusion. I get it. Sending thoughts and prayers so often sounds cliche. But sometimes, it's all we have. And today, I'm sending all of mine to Brittany Griner. May she return home soon and safe. Okay, that's Stephen A. Smith. Thanks for that, Stephen. On it. Let's say, uh, for us to get out of here. Song from Mr. Pitt. Lydia Mendoza.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer secure? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved code-breaking. Quantum agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the U.S. government and its personal, as the Enigma brokers have already cost the lives of his fellow agents, perhaps including his partner. John Wessex's The Enigma Brokers is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it on Amazon. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to Joke Workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. 
So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! 4.99. I was just leaving the theater. <laughs> 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. Oh, up here. And I started to do some thinking. Around in and on the freeway, and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glass. Looking big splits and cruising. Saturday, noon to two. On the freeway. Good feeling. I am a total Hello, Blake. Henry! Yeah, Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Has John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? Private investigator Anton Gruber has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. Clooney may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine, but never his loyalty, until Gruber double-crossed him. Escaping with his life, Clooney is sidelined while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi gold. John Wessex's The Prague Deception is the third book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it. Oh, yeah. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Hello, Hare Krishna. I'm in a row. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff? 
talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. Volunteer for the San Francisco Food Bank. San Francisco Food Bank release on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. This support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year enough for 93.000 meals every day. But they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer. Again, www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer to find out how you can help. 